we're trying to showcase this as a viable career option for students and also trying to get out in front of the influencers. And when I say influencers, I mean parents, school counselors, the general public, for them to fully understand what this industry is about. As these cars that we're driving are becoming more and more complex, we need highly skilled trained professionals repairing our cars as opposed to practicing on them because you and I are entrusting our families to get in them and the car should react the way it should when it comes into an accident to keep us safe. So we try to help make sure that these programs look professional, whether that's, you know, brand new uniforms, making sure that these schools have the latest tools, equipment, supplies, educating the counselors and the administration on this is an option for many different types of students because of the many different career paths that are available. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 101. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we feature professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, educators, influencers, people giving real-world advice. I have three requests. If you enjoyed the podcast and it brought you value, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and if you'd like, write a review and share one thing you enjoyed or learned on the podcast. Your support means the world to me, and I would really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in again. My guest today has over 20 years experience in the automotive collision industry. He's the managing director of Collision Repair Education Foundation. This is a national 501c3 charity that supports high school, college, auto body collision repair programs throughout the country. It supports the students and the instructors. My guest is an advocate for the skilled trades. He uses marketing skills to communicate the value of businesses to support the automotive collision industry and support the mission of Repair Foundation. During his free time, my guest is an entrepreneur and owner of B-Cycle Bottles. Please welcome Brandon Eckenrode to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Brandon, how are you today? I am wonderful, Keith. Thank you for having me here. Look forward to talking with you. Definitely. My pleasure. Brandon, you have to tell us about the B-Cycle Bottles business, please. So... 2015, 2016, I actually started a little side small business to where I work with restaurants and bars around the country where they save select empty liquor bottles for me, which I then cut and sand into drinking glasses. So some of these bottles have you know unique artwork and things like that. So I've actually sold these to customers in 13 plus countries. I've, I've done a set of glasses for The Rock using his Terramana tequila bottles. So if you see him drinking tequila, he's sometimes drinking from my glass, which is very cool. So kind of a unique hobby that I do kind of keeping me busy when I'm not, um, you know, helping to fundraise for the collision school programs around the country. So it's been fun and obviously green and helping to, you know, give a second life to those empty bottles that everyone's emptying, whether it's in bars, restaurants, or in their own homes. Right. And I have to ask what everybody's thinking. How did you connect with The Rock? So weird story was I actually was reached out to by his business manager and she did not say who she was with. And she said, hey, can you custom cut these bottles for me? And I said, sure. So coincidentally, her family lives by me in the Chicagoland area. And I met up with her dad and he's like, you're going to give me the bottle or you're going to when you get the bottles done, you're going to return them back to me and I'm going to ship them out to my daughter who lives in California. I said, no problem. So met up with him after I completed the glasses and he looks at me and he's like, can I trust you? And I go, what do you mean? Can I trust you? And he goes, do you know who these are for? And I said, they're for your daughter. And he's like, well, 
I didn't want to say anything, but it's actually, she's the business manager for The Rock and it's his birthday coming up. So it's, what do you get the guy that has everything? So obviously I got goosebumps. I'm like, that's incredible. So he sent them out to The Rock. And then a couple of weeks later, he posted on his page with him saying, check out these great bottle or these great glasses that are made from the empty Terramont tequila bottles. And then he shared the story that his daughter's initials are engraved on the bottom of every bottle. So occasionally he has not tagged me yet, but I've just been thankful the fact that uh, my glasses are in his hands whenever he's enjoying a, a glass of tequila. Oh, that's awesome. That rocks. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> that will be quick. <laughs> wow, what a wonderful thing. You see, you took a chance and you just went for it. You never know right. what, uh, where life will take you. <laughs> well, Brandon, let's get on to uh, business now. Uh, you started your career in marketing with iCar. Can you please share how that experience helped you to make the transition into your current role? Absolutely. So ICAR, which is a international nonprofit training and certification provider within the collision industry. So people within the collision industry who, and that industry is made up of all the various businesses that are involved with repairing our cars after an accident. So it's the body shops, the paint companies, tool companies, insurance companies, they complete ICAR training just to stay up to speed on how to repair the cars that you and I are driving. So in starting off on that role, basically I came out of college, I was doing some construction just to start to pay back some student loans. And my degree was in English and journalism, which is kind of makes it unique for me to be in this field for 20 years. But in that role, I was involved in event planning, you know, marketing and communication. So I started developing a kind of a network of having to know and interact with, you know, everybody within this industry. So that helped prepare me for this role that I'm in now in terms of it's our, not just myself, but the foundation's, you know, job to be connected with all the schools and the industry businesses to help address this aging workforce that we're facing, just like many other technical trades. So it helped develop this kind of foundation of a, a network of having to know who the who's who within the industry, which I can now utilize within this role of trying to connect industry support with helping out the schools around the country. Definitely. I think it's so important. Relationships are everything. I mean, that's the one thing I'm kind of just as I'm listening to you and I think it's a game changer. Nothing gets done without relationships. And it's not what you know, but who you know is very true in many situations. Definitely, definitely. Can you tell you know, our audience, for people who don't know, what is the Collision Repair Education Foundation? What do they do? Sure. So we are the Collision Industries National 501c3 that supports all the high school and college collision repair or auto body repair. Sometimes the school calls them different things. Programs, students, and instructors. So this is everything from a high school shop class to a community college to a technical college across the country nationwide. And what we do is try to help rally support to help out these programs, which are one of the more expensive programs to run just because of all the tools, the equipment, the supplies that you need to run those programs. But a lot of these instructors, are facing limited and crippling budgets for their programs just because of schools cutting back and they typically cut the budgets of those types of programs first. So what we do is go out and advocate for them and we, one, try to attract students to the programs. So we are trying to, you know, kind of eliminate that uh, perception that it's just a, a dumping ground, meaning, you know, you're a bad kid, you've got no college potential, you just go down to shop class and get out of my hair until, you know, you get out into the, the real world. We're trying to showcase this as a viable career option for students students and also trying to get out in front of the influencers. And when I say influencers, I mean parents, school counselors, the general public, for them to fully understand what this industry is about. As these cars that we're driving are becoming more and more complex, we need highly skilled trained professionals repairing our cars as opposed to practicing on them because 
you and I are entrusting our families to get in them and the car should react the way it should when it comes into an accident to keep us safe. So we try to help make sure that these programs look professional, the whether that's you know brand new uniforms, making sure that these schools have the latest tools, equipment, supplies, educating the counselors and the administration on these are this is an option for many different types of students because of the many different career paths that are available. On the support side, we've been very fortunate, and this is a testament to this industry's generosity. We have been able to provide over five hundred million dollars worth of donations to these schools just since two thousand nine. And when I say donations, that means monetary donations, which help fund student scholarships, school grants, everything that these students and programs need. On the in-kind side, that means everything, like I said, tools, equipment, supplies, parts, vehicles, consumables, things that these instructors need to run their programs. And then last but not least, and this is the most important part, connecting these students with the industry employers and showing the array of career paths available. It's not just working in a body shop because many people think the collision industry, that must mean body shops and insurance companies. That's the only options. That's absolutely not the case where there are hundreds of different career paths that don't involve repairing the cars. I mean, I've been in the industry for 20 years, but Keith, you do not want me touching a car because that's not my expertise. (laughs) But there's career paths available that these students um, are in desperate need. The average age within our industry very much so like the other technical trades that I know you interview, it's getting close to 50, 55 years old. So you have this industry that's, you know, according to some numbers, it's a 50 billion plus dollar industry that is in a panic because there's not enough people that are coming into the field to address that need. And we're not too far off to where you or I get into an accident. We might not get our car back for months because there's not enough people within this industry to repair those cars. So that's our role is to support the programs, attract students, get them the donations they need, and then connect the students through the many career fair events that we hold around the connection, around the country, to show these students who's waiting for them when they graduate. Excellent. And I think one of the points you made is is letting people know because the average person doesn't know about this. You take an average high school student, they don't know about this career option, and the schools obviously are not pushing it, so somebody has to. And you guys are doing the right thing and doing that. And these careers pay well. So if they don't realize that this is an option, and there are a lot of people who don't like sitting in an office. You know, there's, there are a lot of people who this is a good fit for. There are a lot of young people who are like, you know, I don't want to sit in an office. I don't want to go to college for four years. You know, I like cars. And so we've got to make sure we're showing them this is a viable option. And to that point, Keith, we're hearing from like in some parts of the country that students are being told to pick their career path in junior high. And if that is crazy in my mind, but if that is the case, that means we have a responsibility to your point of providing the resources and tools so that people can be aware of this industry. So one of the things that we've got coming up actually in less than two months, because we always hear school counselors, they play gatekeepers, right? You're a good kid. You got to go to college. That's your only path. You're a bad kid. You just go down to shop class. We, as opposed to just complaining about the counselors, through a very generous grant from General Motors, we are one of the, going to be one of the top sponsors at the National School Council Conference that's coming up this July in Austin, Texas, where four to 5,000 kindergarten through high school school counselors from around the country will be gathering. We will be there representing the industry and showcasing to them all that I just talked about, but then also giving them resources so that when they are talking to their students, they have a very limited time when they talk to these students. So it's direct them to the right area 
to where they can learn more. So we're building that for those resources to so they can go, how do I find a school near me that has a collision repair program? What are the different career paths? What's the earning potential? So that they can be educated, so they can have that conversation and dialogue with the students and really fully understand what the potential is there for them. Oh, that's great. That's great. I think that that, that is going to make a huge difference because, you know, if the guidance counselors have a certain mindset, then, you know, they're going to communicate that message because that's all they've known. And let's face it, a lot of people in education don't like change. Yep. They, you know, it's easy to just do what I've been doing and just be on autopilot. So now, you know, going and exposing these guidance counselors to this as a viable career option, because at the end of the day, the guidance counselors, I think by and large, want the best for the students, but they can only tell the students what they know. Exactly. If they don't know that there are other options, then how are they going to tell people about those options? I also think that the salaries, once people start understanding, you know, what these jobs pay and what the investment is, because it's not the same investment as college, people understand numbers. You know, if you're telling someone, hey, you're going to make X number of dollars in half the time duration and half, you know, a quarter of what you would pay in college tuition, everybody understands numbers. And that earning potential, to your point, that's something that I was not aware of when I came into this industry to where when you start off in this industry, if you go to work for like, let's say a body shop, and obviously it might vary depending on where you live, but you might start off at say like entry level pay. So there is, to be honest and be blunt, you might make more working at like, say your local Starbucks. However, you give it a couple years, you put in the time and effort, the people that repair our cars or paint our cars easily make six figures plus just because there's that dire need out there. So that's one thing that I think that we need to educate, but also you have to kind of level set with the students. You're not going to make a million dollars when you come out of college, but if you put in the time and the effort, that opportunity is there for you, but you have to go earn it and make that by yourself. I also would tell people, young people, that anytime you can fix somebody's car, you have such a great skill that there's always somebody who's willing to pay you for that. So you can have a traditional nine to five job that you go to, but you can also, with the with all the social media and the internet, it's not hard for you to connect with people who are willing to pay you for a skill set that you have. There's always somebody out there who's willing to pay somebody who has good skills to fix their car. That I don't care where you are in America, that's just common. There's always somebody who's willing to pay you to fix their car. And especially in this industry, when I'm in front of, you know, if we're at, I'm at one of our career fair events where I've got a thousand students standing in front of me, I tell them, like with me based in Chicago, I say, hey, if you guys are tired of Chicago winters, I can connect you with an employer in every single state of this country because there's that much of a need nationwide. So yes, there's plenty of opportunities in Chicago. There's plenty of opportunities nationwide. So it's a dire need across this big industry and the opportunity is yours for the taking as opposed to going to college, mounting this huge amount of student debt with little to no job prospects. It's the opposite situation in our industry. And that's what we have to do is get that word out. Yes. And also you have students who, you know, if you're young and you don't have anything tying you down, why not go try a different city? You know, it's, yep. And this is a trade that pays well. So you might be in New York and you could move to a lower cost of living city and still make a premium salary because this is a job that pays. You know, obviously you might not make the same in New York as you'd make, say, in the Midwest or in the Southeast, but you're still going to make a premium because of the skill set and live in a place that's lower cost of living. A lot of people are, are getting pretty conscious about moving to places that have a lower cost of living. 
Sure. But uh, with the skilled trades, you have the freedom to do that because the jobs, there's always a job. Like you said, you have connections in every state. There's always a job in every different state. There are very few professions that allow you to do that, especially if you finish college and you go through a certain program. You might have to do an apprentice, uh, not an apprenticeship, but an internship. Yep. That has you working in a specific location. <laughs> exactly. You know, and so flexibility is an asset, especially nowadays. That's what people want. People want to get up and move, especially when you're young. You don't have anything to find out. There's that value of relationships. Yep. These multi-million and billion dollar industries are in a panic for needing people. So they're willing to help in any way possible. Like you're saying, sign on bonuses. We're going to give you, we're going to pay back your student tuition if you have any student debt. So the students are in a great spot to negotiate and try to make sure that they find the right position. So it's a matter of just them being aware of that opportunity. And then if we can help, we'd absolutely will just to help address that issue. Definitely. Definitely. Tell me what success looks like in your current role for you. What's the big picture? What are you trying to accomplish? So it's uh, no small goal, but the foundation is trying to help solve the employee, not just shortage, but the issue that this industry is facing. So like I just said, you know, all these companies are in a panic for people. So what we can do is try to make sure there's a better quality coming out of the school so that they're better prepared for entry-level work to go work within the industry to help fulfill that need. Because a lot of these, you know, the industry members are, you know, like, like I said, Depending on the market, it's getting close to 55, 60 years old is the average age. So if that's the case, we have to then help make sure there's a strong pipeline of qualified entry-level trained students coming into the industry, regardless of what industry segment they're going into. Because like I said, there's a lot of different career paths in this industry and helping address this industry issue, this industry's issue is kind of our bigger picture goal of us collaborating with the industry. Like it's not just us doing it ourselves, it's gathering those industry partners and helping to you know showcase this opportunity to the students is kind of what we're all about. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we talked about is that you were talking to companies about how the shortage affects them financially. I love the fact that you kind of, you know, when you and I first talked, you talked about how it can impact them financially if they don't have a certain number of staff. Like, you know the numbers right away. I think you were saying, like, you know, this individual accounts for 35 grand a month in revenue. Some, some I mean, don't quote me on that, but it was something to that. It was, a, it was a number that really caught my attention. So the, what I'm, allows me to be successful in our job of going out and reaching with the companies is I can approach a company saying, you know, you're down in the, you know, the greater Atlanta area. There's a, you know, caliber collision. I'm sure you've seen classic collision. Absolutely. I can approach them and say, how many entry-level staff do you have openings for right now? And they might say, depending on the size of the company, they might say hundreds, they might say thousands because of it being a nationwide company. And I can say on average, a entry-level technician helps provide roughly about $30,000 in revenue per month for the company. So you start multiplying that by the number of openings. I can say you have a multi-million dollar problem right now that's only getting worse. So we either try to work together to solve that problem or it's only going to get worse for you and your staffing is only going to get you know older. So us being in that kind of situation where I can put a business value to why they need to invest, it's a little bit different compared to you know a charity that might be on the, more of a, like an emotional appeal. So like say the American Cancer Society or something like that, which obviously is an incredible organization, but we can put a business case to why they need to help solve this together with us. Yeah, I also think that'll drive action pretty quickly because... Your business owners understand numbers. And, uh, like I said, if they're having challenging with staffing, which we know they are, you know, then they're already feeling that pain. So yep. that's the reason why I guess you guys are getting a lot of support from the business community. 
and it's only getting bigger and bigger in terms of us collaborating. So yes, absolutely. Yes. So we know there's a skills gap and we know that companies are aware of this. How much of a priority is this for the companies you are talking to and what are they doing to address this challenge? So are they, do they, do they have actions in place other than obviously they're contributing money to you guys, but what are some of the things that these companies are doing? It's kind of, we have to unturn, you know, overturn any rock to find out what's the solution to this. So our role is more on the, let's try to improve, you know, working together with the schools, trying to get the schools to not only graduate more qualified students, you know, to help address this issue, but, you know, companies are, they're starting to look at, do we need to start taking people off the street that have no technical education? Do we partner with, you know, veterans who are coming back and have skill sets that can be trained onto what they need within these businesses? But it's kind of a, whatever can be done to help address this issue. These companies are, you know, putting that, you know, thinking out there in terms of what we can do. We're trying to showcase, it's great to explore all options, but a, a good option would be having the students come from the school, whether they go from high school to right into the workforce, or maybe they go to a technical college or a community college and enhance their learning even more, but making sure that the skill sets that they gain there better prepares them for entry-level work. So some of these instructors, they have to teach that, you know, mile-wide, inch-deep philosophy of, I'm just going to give you this overview of what's within the collision industry, but what we're trying to educate, not only the instructors and students, but tell them, if you can be great at these, say, five to 10 entry-level skills, it'll make you as a student more employable, productive, you can earn more quicker, as opposed to the sometimes the detrain and then retrain philosophy that some of these companies have to do because of the education that these students may get or may not get within the school. So um, it's kind of an all-hands-on approach, but that also involves, if we want more students to be coming through these programs, we're trying to do is making sure, like I said before, attracting more students to these programs. So some of these schools have maybe 10 students where I can go to that school's administration and say, you could be graduating 20 times more students than you currently are, and it still would not fulfill the need that this industry has within your market. So when they can meet and see the companies out the door waiting for these students, it helps the administrators to fully understand, I need to respect this program. It's not just a dumping ground for, you know, the, the leftover students who don't go out into the college or go down that college route, but we need to attract more students into this field. And with how complex these vehicles are becoming, Keith, it's an opportunity for us, I think, to showcase this field in a better light because you and I were driving around basically computers on wheels. So it, you can get into the diagnostics and basically computer programming and things like that. Those are great candidates for this field because of the cars that we're driving and they're changing every single year. Yes, no, I agree. I've talked to people in the industry and I've also seen, I, mean, I don't I have a car that's a few years on, but I've seen cars that are basically computers. They've got a lot of technical stuff in there. And uh, so those coding skills really come in handy. And that's another thing about educating young people on these professions is that they're not aware of that these jobs are available. And you know what? That requires a lot of math. It requires a lot of technical skills. You've got to be a pretty sharp student to go in this industry. And also you're uncovering new challenges because it's technology, right? So everything doesn't always work right away when you try something. So you've got to be somebody who's somewhat analytical. So, you know, it's not your throwaway students. And that's, I imagine that's what you're educating these guidance counselors on and, and educators when you're, when you're having conversations with them. Absolutely. 
And it's also the parents. One of the things we do, uh, we're holding some of these career fair events on auto show floors. So when mom, dad, and the younger kids are there, we're taking our career fair and putting it on the show floor so that when we have our events, which sometimes have 500 to 1,000 students, it's like this wave of students coming into the auto show. So it makes the parents think, what's going on? So it's we don't want to spend millions of dollars on advertising. We don't have to because we'd much rather have that support going to the schools. So getting out in front of the general public hopefully should help too in terms of changing the mindset of the uh, the parents and or guardians of these students so they know, hey, this is a great path. And I can see all these employers here, my students should be considered for one of those positions too. Yeah, I think that's powerful. Once the parents see the employers, they that'll get them in mind that seeing is believing. That's the ideas. Absolutely. Hey, listen, you know, in this industry, what can be done to attract more people who are in underserved communities, minorities and women? Because let's face it, the auto industry is not that diverse. They don't have a lot of women, they don't have a lot of minorities. And that could also help close the skills gap. What do you think we can do to tap into those communities in that segment of the population? We work with a lot of companies that are, are focused on, on serving those kind of uh, demographics or, you know, a lot more females are coming into this trade. Um, and there's also, whether it's a technical college or community college that might be in certain areas that I think it's a it's an opportunity for us to where if we can go in there, and again, it's about education and also we equipping these programs to be able to provide a, the best quality technical education possible for these students is ideal. Like I said, I'm based in the Chicagoland area. I've been volunteering with a school on the south side of Chicago called Kennedy King College. It's in one of those areas that you obviously hear not the best news coming out of. But when I can go in there and they can hear from individuals like myself or if I bring in with me a room full of employers to say, these people are here for you. They will be happy to give you jobs. They will be happy to give you careers. They will be happy to give you futures that will make you productive and fully employed and earn an incredible living and making sure that they understand these are options to make a better life for you, whatever, wherever you might be. And what's always funny on the, I should say funny, but you know, on the, the female student side, we hear from so many instructors that the female students work circles around the male students because of their attention to detail, their work ethic and things like that. So we're starting to see that improve in terms of numbers. But I think it's, again, an opportunity when we're going into specific markets that might be underserved, they might not have the program budgets that they need to kind of equip their program, but that's where we can come in working with our industry partners to make sure that they have a state-of-the-art facility that has the the proper tools and equipment to provide that quality technical education that I think we're only going to expand because of the conversations we're having with our industry partners. Definitely. No, I like that. I agree with you. You know, I'm big on numbers. And like I said, like I said, I look at the numbers and I don't see a lot of minority representation. I don't see a lot of women representation. So I just feel like it's an opportunity there because again, if there's a shortage and we can get we can tap into new markets. I always feel like your definition of sanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different results. So if you can tap into a whole new community, then that's now another group of people who are now entering the fold. You know, you're building a pipeline. I always look at it as a pipeline. Yep. That's absolutely what it is. And we can, Keith, we can absolutely have, and I know there's obviously many different technical trades and they all should be supported. We can have a direct impact on future job reports because of the need out there. There could be 40,000, 50,000 students entering the workforce because of just, you know, through our industry by itself, in addition to all the technical trades. But I think that's impactful to also be able to showcase that this is an option so that if we can make the national news to say, where did this industry come from? Who is this industry and why are they employing so many students? I think it's only going to help everybody. Definitely, definitely. And I think that's something that needed to jump on right away because that, that is a great story. You know, again, pays well, there's a need for it and everybody understands it. Everybody understands transportation. 
if we don't have the proper support in place for transportation, we've got bigger problems than the high gas prices. Yes. Your cars aren't, if your cars can't get fixed and get on the road, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a big problem. We were one of the few industries that was considered vital. I forget what the term was, but during essential. like COVID, essential, yes. During yes. COVID, body shops were allowed to stay open because, again, like you said, transportation, we have to get from here to there. We need cars that are fixed and being able to run. So it's not, you know, it showcases the need that's always going to be there, regardless of what's happening with the economy, that there, this will always be around for our opportunities. Yeah. Hey, can you share some of the various jobs that are available just so? You know, so people would know when they're looking at automotive collision, what are some of the jobs that are available just that you can just name off the top of your head so that people who are listening to this can do research and look into these roles and see what they pay and what it takes to get into those roles? Absolutely. Like I said earlier, I think a lot of people think, and I did as well when I was you know, first coming into the industry, when you think of the collision industry, which is different than the mechanical industry. This is all the industry that involved with an accident. You know, th you think of body shops and insurance companies sometimes as the, the only career path. So, I mean, just in those two, you've got, you know, repair technicians, refinish technicians, you can have estimators, you could have front desk office support, you could have, the, you know, there's marketing and PR opportunities within those companies. On the insurance side, there's estimators, insurance adjusters, but then you start getting into the, all the other companies like paint companies, tool companies, equipment companies, the vehicle manufacturers, rental car companies, they have hundreds of career paths themselves that people don't always think about. So there's sales, there's, like I said, marketing, there's a lot of different opportunities where, again, you don't have to touch a car or repair a car, but you're still a part of the industry like I am. And again, I was an English and journalism major in college, but you never know where you're going to end up. And I've been in this industry for 20 years. And again, I, I pinch myself every day in terms of this is what I get to do. One day I'm meeting with an industry executive trying to ask for a large donation. The next day I'm with a bunch of students trying to connect them with you know employers at a career fair where I hear this many students got jobs out of what we were able to do together. I mean, how could you want anything more than that? No, I, I love that because you're impacting young people. That is exciting work and you know you're changing lives. Can you tell me what is the process for becoming a technician? Do you go through an apprenticeship? Do you go through a trade school? Just high level overview, how much time they should expect to take. There's a couple different paths. The most I would say common one would be maybe they start a student start off at a, a high school, you know, collision repair program, and they might go then into a technical college or community college to help to further their education and then go to work for a particular business. You know, that business might have their own apprenticeship or mentorship program. Some maybe not, but you know, that kind of fall, you know, starting off with, you know, enhancing your technical education and then, you know, finding out what career path you want. So you might not want to, like I said, work with a, a body shop, but, you know, following the, that school route. And that is even more crucial to where we are trying to make sure that these programs stay open. Cause Keith, I cannot tell you the number of phone calls we get from instructors saying my program is flagged because of a lack of enrollment. And if we don't improve our numbers, our school is going to be closed. Certain schools don't need to be closed. If they're a hobby shop, that's really not who we're interested in supporting. It's more of those that are serious about the technical education. So we need to do what we can to make sure that these classrooms are filled. So, But that is typically a, a path that most students take in terms of at least starting off in high school. They might go right into the industry from high school, but a lot go through the technical community college, the route, just to make sure that they enhance their skill sets, which again, makes them more productive when they enter into the industry. Yes. And I would say, I would guesstimate, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably half the amount of time that they would take for a tradition. If I Absolutely. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. So, a so. lot of these programs are maybe like a two-year program or, you know, sometimes they're maybe 18 months. But yes, typically it's about half the time of a traditional four-year college route. Yeah. And I can, you can rest assured that you're not paying the tuition you pay in a traditional college. 
Correct. Yeah. Yep. Can you please list the three resources? So for anyone interested, what are three resources that people can learn more about the industry that they can check out? Could be a website, group, anything. I would definitely recommend going to our site, collisioneducationfoundation.org. It kind of lists all the different opportunities, what we're building like I mentioned, for that school counselor events, but then also we've got some initiatives coming up where we're going to be funding a national PSA campaign. So you're not too far off to see commercials on TV, radio, online talking about this industry, but also finding out, you know, what businesses are in their local market to maybe go in and kind of go see and meet with some of these businesses. So, you know, there's resources like ICAR, i-car.com, which provides that technical education, but they have resources on how to find a business in their area that's keeping up with technical training, because that's key as well to make sure you go interview the business just as much as the the business is going to interview you. See what the environment's like. Do they have a clean working environment? Are the people respectful and providing that life balance for you know, when you're the work environment? So those are some good places to start. I would highly recommend. It's a little bit of a Selfish request, but you know, what following us on social media, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we just got onto TikTok only because we know there's a younger demographic down there. Don't know too much about TikTok in terms of you know that interaction, but we know we have to get out in front of those students at the younger age and advertise to them in our own way to help educate them about this industry. Definitely. I think TikTok is definitely a great asset for you uh for you guys to uh take advantage of. That's definitely where your target market is going to be. Final question. Can you share one thing you wish you knew when you started your career? One thing that I wish I knew. That you know now, that you wish you knew when you started your career. Which what I've realized now were an untapped opportunity for support. So when we started off or when I started off, you know, we focused mostly on the collision industry of gathering support and awareness. And that was kind of who we stayed within. What we're now, what I've now realized and what we're starting to get into is so many people, one are car enthusiasts, respect the trades. They understand that college isn't the the only route. So we're starting to reach out into like, you know, the car clubs or the any car enthusiast as a potential supporter of ours. And through our industry contacts, as an example, Jay Leno donated a private tour of his car garage as a fundraiser for us. So while it's outside the industry, it's still car enthusiasts who can get behind supporting an organization like ours. We're a 501c3. And what I didn't know before, but real quick, Keith, what's important for us to be able to say is 90 cents of every dollar that's donated goes back to the schools. So we're very lean in our operations. You know, we're very lean and we've got a full-time staff of four. So quick shout out to our incredible team, Melissa, Tiffany, Amber, and myself. We're trying to help change this industry, but I think that is a, it's an untapped opportunity for us to get more support to help out the schools at a higher level in terms of just not thinking about the collision industry. There's so many other car enthusiasts or automotive enthusiasts out there that we can start to get involved and supporting us as well. Nice. Nice. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being on the Skill Stadium podcast. Please share how people can find your organization. So go to collisioneducationfoundation.org, O-R-G. Check us out on social media to see how the various events that we're having. We're coming into major markets to have these career fair events. We'd love to get you involved with local schools. So even though you might not be in the industry, we would love to partner with you to help out these schools in your backyard to make sure that they're graduating those future students to be employed within the industry. And I thank you, Keith, so much just for helping to amplify this message and get the word out. So thank you for that. My pleasure, Brandon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'll also make sure that all your contact information is in the notes of the podcast so anybody watching can can, uh, have access to that. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Keith. Thank you again, Bradley. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.